Hey, we're starting a new series called Champion, and man, I got to tell you, um, fire. I don't, I'm so excited about it. And so this is kind of like the intro to everything I'm excited about. And so I had to do everything I could to not like write a sermon for this week. And so I'm excited a lot of different things. I'm, I'm a sports fanatic. And so every day I, the only thing that I do, online, I don't even know like how to get online and like surf the internet, but I, I go to ESPN every day to see what happened. And so I'm really excited. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, we're going to, we're going to bring home the title tomorrow night. Amen. Come on now. And uh, uh, I'm excited that the, the, the NBA finals is starting here this in like a day or two. And it's a weird one. No one has ever been to the finals that is in these representing these two teams, and so it's really weird. So I was thinking about all of uh, of champions, and I just kind of was thinking about there's some people that don't like sports, and they're like this the concept of a champion uh, is kind of weird because you think about like LeBron James and that like I don't like that guy, and so I don't like the idea. So I was thinking about different things that you could be a champion of, like you know uh, you could be you could be a champion in um, in in chess, um, uh, you could be a champion in boxing. Uh, it turns out there's a new sport called chess boxing where you do both of those things. <laughs> and you can be... There's a, there's a sport where uh, it's called wife-carrying races where you carry your wife and you run a race. I thought, oh, this is the weirdest thing in the whole world. A lot of different sports that you can be... You can be a spelling bee champion. Uh, that doesn't require a whole lot of athleticism. There's a, here's a cool one I found. It's the beard and mustache championship. <laughs> That's real. This happens. It's, uh, I mean, and so for those of you that think that you're manly, you can check your man card at the door right there. That's a, that's a league of their own world right there. Uh, and one of my favorite things that doesn't require a whole lot of athleticism, short video for you, one that we just put out there for those of you all on, this is called the cheese wheel race. And no athleticism involved. Let me just show you this video real quick. Um, they just mostly falling going on here. Um, this is, uh, yep, their design is to uh, beat the wheel of cheese going down the hill. And uh, this happens every year. And they, see the wheel of cheese right there it is? And uh, they got to they gotta beat the cheese down the hill. No athleticism. There's, that guy is not an athlete, I promise you. And uh, uh, that's the trophy and the broken arms and bones and teeth that are missing. It's all real. I, I just, I, I thought that was funny. Uh, but there's a, a, to be a champion is, is a powerful thing. And, and, uh, but I think to be the champion of your faith is a whole other, other concept. And uh, I, I'm entering into a season where social media is pushing insecurities on people like crazy. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is pushing on you a desire and an identity for you to be the champion of your faith. You know, this faith has been passed on to us. And so I think many of us, we look up to other people that have championed things that we've seen them do, and it intimidates us that now God has called us. But I want you to understand that if you are a believer in Jesus, then the scripture says by the Apostle Paul that the Spirit of Jesus lives inside of you. And now there's a call of God on you. When the Spirit of God is inside of you and you have a new identity and being born again, uh, you have a responsibility. You have been commissioned to go forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a call of God on you to champion Jesus in this generation, in this time right now. And I am going to pray that over you this week. Let's pray real quick. Hey, Jesus. 
help. Amen. Amen. Uh, I have to try to go quickly, so I'm going to try to condense uh, what material I have. I'm starting off in 2 Timothy chapter 3, no, chapter 4, and the Apostle Paul is going to say it this way. It's really cool how he starts off, really kind of just beware. He says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell their whatever their itching ears want to hear. Can I just stop there for a second? If there's ever been a time, it's right now where that's happening, where the internet, now you can search for someone to tell you the gospel you enjoy the most. And I just have to stop you right there. And that's why not finding a local church is so important, but also finding a community of friends is crucial because we're all extreme in some way or another. And it's good for, if you've got real friends, your friends will tell you the idiot you are in certain areas of your life, you know? Like, hey, dude, you're just going a little too far. It's great. You're the champion of that logic. Now, let's back that up just a little bit, you know? And uh, it's good for you. If not, what you'll do is you'll just get online and find the guy you like hearing the most and what he's going to tell you and how, how whatever you just want to hear today. And... Uh, think that can be dangerous. But the Apostle Paul would continue in this thought, and he says, um, he, he says in verse 4, they will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. And then he says this, he says, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. Let me just stop there and make sure that you understand. How many believers are in the room today? Raise them high. Your Apostle Paul is telling you today that you have a ministry. It's important for you to wear that concept and that mantle and that responsibility. Maybe I'm reading it differently, but and carry out the ministry that God has given you. And right before it, he says, work at telling others the good news. Now, this is a hard one, especially for modern-day Christians. We really struggle at sharing Jesus. Like, I don't know what to say, and I don't, I'm not really good at it. And if I say it, that's why he said work at it. <laughs> because it's not like going to be easy. Most of the time, it's going to be awkward, and you're not going to do it right. But when you want to do it, church, when you want to uh, see your, your brother's marriage redeemed, when you want to see your, 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 your mother-in-law healed, you get good at it because I, I may not say it as good as, as Pastor Teresa or I may not say it as good as so-and-so, but, but I'm going to work at this because it means a lot to me because I want to see people in my life free. I want to be able to communicate the gospel. I want my coworkers and my family and the people, that my neighbors, I want to see those people growing in Christ. Now, all of that was not even part of the sermon. I just like those verses before these verses. When the Apostle Paul would say this, what did he say? Oh, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. He said, I fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Man, I love that. Let me just stop there. I do believe that it is so important that we recognize that there is a day of judgment that will await every one of us. 
And as your pastor, I want nothing more than for you to have confidence in the life that you lived in that moment, standing before the, 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 the Lamb of God, recognizing that I, li- I, I lived a life worthy of the calling to which I was called. And he, Paul said, I, 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 my life is being poured out. I finished the race. I, I ran hard after Jesus. And I wonder in your life, are you running hard after Jesus? Are you fulfilling the call of God that's on your life? Because I believe right now that God is raising up runners. He's raising up warriors, people, champions for him. I believe that there's never been a time right now where there are lovers of God that God is raising up even right now within our church. Champions for Jesus. Paul would, would finish this thought and he says, now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And I, I, I think it's fair to say, I'm running for gold. I'm, I'm running for the greatest prize that I can possibly receive from my Savior. Probably, if I'm honest, what I really just want is a hug. I think that would be the coolest moment probably of my entire existence. But if there's a crown in it from Jesus, y'all, you best know that I'm going to try to beat you, every one of you. I'm going to live so much more radical than every one of you for Jesus. And I think that we should all have some kind of competitive tenacity, not to be better than each other, but to run for Jesus, like to live the best life that I can. And then he says, and the prize is not just for me, but for, for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And I think it's important that we are looking forward to his appearing and the day of judgment. Because that marks something inside of us that wakes us up from the sobering, boring reality that we we live in. I mean, we we, we mostly can be very bored if we're not remembering of the day of, of Christ. And it's why we run. It's why we run. This whole sermon is because of a, of a, of a vision that I had uh, about a year ago. And I keep seeing this vision more and more and more and more. I've never had a vision where I, I'm continually seeing, but I, I keep seeing it's like there was a generation before us and they were, they were running the gospel. And uh, I have I, heard st- like my great grandmother and how she used to pray. So like, like people of faith before us, when you'd go to prayer meetings and they'd like, they'd just let the heavens loose, man. And like, they'd let their voice and man, I want to pray like others have prayed. Maybe you've seen people study the Bible, like just crazy going through verse by verse by verse by verse. And I think what's happened is that the people before us have ran and prepared the way for the gospel today. And they've handed the gospel to us. You're the new Paul Revere. You're, you've got the good news in your hand, and now it's your turn to run with the gospel. And I believe God is raising up runners right now. And so I, in my head, I've never actually held a baton. It's a runner's baton. Uh, but I, I, all day today, I've been walking around with this thing. Like I, I just like, all right, if I got it, then I got it, man. You can't get it. It's my time running. And, uh, but I, I've got this runner's baton, and I, 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 I think about like if, if it's been handed to me, how am I doing? Because there's a wait. You know, there's people waiting for the call of God on their life. Think about how many people will, will fall asleep tonight in Polk County crying. 
because their life is broken and a mess. And they're waiting for purpose to awaken their life. They're waiting for healing. They're waiting for good news. And I think it's critical, church, that we learn how to live as if we are the fragrance to those that are perishing. Some champions that God wants to raise up right here among us. And I can't help but think that some have gotten the baton. I'm going to talk about this vision every week for the next couple of weeks. But are not running. I'm watching the NBA finals, um, semifinals, and all these uh, things. And it's been kind of funny because there's been a lot of like big athletes in the NBA that have gotten hurt this year on every team. And it's funny because there's like an identity crisis on these teams when the guy who they expect to lead gets hurt and now no one knows what to do with the ball. And somebody's got to run. Someone's got to shoot. Someone's got to make the play. Somebody has got to tell their neighbor. Somebody has to intercede. Somebody's got to come and make sure the coffee's set up. Someone's got to help us build the kingdom. And I wonder, like, it's sometimes as people struggle to worship in the house of God, and you're here maybe one hour a week, how much harder is it for you to run the other 167 hours that God's called you to run with the gospel? Because we're not just building the kingdom here. 167 hours. How am I doing? Let me jump in here. Does this make sense so far? Yeah. All right. That was my intro. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this really does weigh a lot on me, though. I, I, I wonder what gospel are we giving the next generation? What gospel am I giving our coworker who's struggling with anxiety or fear or depression or anger or rage? Are we speaking up saying he is able? Sometimes people need to know who's running for Jesus. You're, there's people in your life that need to know who you are. All right. So I've been, we're going to go a lot to the Old Testament during the series and read about champions and their faith. And, um, but what's kind of weird in this concept of building the kingdom uh, I, I, and, and running and doing great things for the Lord, I was thinking about us and, and are we building and are we working in the 167 hours that we're not here together? And the Lord took me to Nehemiah, and this has been a passage of mine that has just been cool for maybe 15 years, uh, but I don't think I've ever preached on it. And so I'm really excited to preach on that here today. Nehemiah chapter 4, and what we have in Nehemiah is Israel was destroyed, and um, the walls were torn down, and the temple was destroyed, and, and the city is in ruins. People were taken into slavery, and those that weren't taken into slavery or killed uh, uh, ran to other nations and hid. And uh, Nehemiah found favor with his king. He was a cupbearer, and he asked the king if he can go back and rebuild the walls of the city so that his people can find a home again. And he did, and as Nehemiah got home, other people began to gather and help him rebuild those walls. And what we find in Nehemiah chapter 4, as Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls, that the enemy is really upset with Nehemiah 
all of the enemies and the surrounding companies, they're, they're kind of ticked off at Nehemiah and what he's doing. And they're wanting to attack again and destroy Israel before they really can build anything. But what they're trying to do is build every wall that goes around the city. And Nehemiah gets there and he gets this strategy. And, he, and the idea is like, hey, I'm going to send you guys to build this gate. There's 12 gates. I'm going to send you guys over to build this gate and you guys to build this gate. And you guys, and we're going to build up the wall between here and there. And all these things are going on. And, and it's a lot of work. And they're all terrified because they're under attack. No different than me and you. But what I find beautiful about this passage is the way Nehemiah presents it in the same terminology that I think about all of us today. Nehemiah says this, um, when the enemies heard that we knew of their plans, that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. So once we, once we knew we could, everyone got back to work. And, 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 but from then on, only half of the men worked while the other half stood guard with spears and shields and bows and, and coats of mail while the, uh, while the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Laborers carried their work on with one hand supporting their load and the other hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side, and a trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. When I ex explained to the noble officials and all the people, the work is very spread out, he said, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. But when you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, and then our God will fight for us. We worked early and late, from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. Let me just read this here. The first point that I think about is how the, all the men worked. And the scripture says they worked with a hammer and a sword. And I just wonder, if you're going to be a champion for Christ, how many of you have gone to work? Please understand, wherever God has commissioned you to work and earn your living, there is ministry to be done right there. But don't go to work without your sword. What I mean is you have to live your life with the word of God in your mouth. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that's coming out of the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. And so it can be really dangerous for us to make sure that we get three meals a day. No, we're American, like seven, right? Uh, we get like all those little Debbies in between meals. And, uh, and we eat all this stuff, but we're not consuming the word of God. But if he, is, if he is who we love with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and we haven't heard from him in like a month or since your pastor's last boring sermon, it's pretty dangerous for you to be equipped because our sword is going from like Braveheart to like a spoon. <laughs> it's kind of dangerous. We're, our church starting next Sunday. So we're going to enter into the next 40 days of doing some cool stuff starting next Sunday. And what I really believe is that we need to sound the trumpet here at the church and make sure that everyone can join us, although the work has been spread out all across the city and the county. So what we're going to do is in, in 21 days, we're going to do some 21 days of prayer 
at the church starting in 21 days. But starting next Sunday, we're going to do 21 days, or we're going to do 40 days of reading the Gospels together. So we're going to read two Gospels a day starting next week, next Sunday. You're going to hear more about it next Sunday. And we're going to have an app that you guys can all download, the Life app, Bible, thingamajigger, and we'll go in there and read together. We'll have all the stuff laid out for you to join us. But we want to get good at reading the Word because the work is spread out, and we have to make sure that we're armed. It's the first thing that I heard Nehemiah say. And the second thing that he said is to gather together. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, when you, when you, they're blowing the trumpet because they know the enemy's about to attack. Well, the enemy's attacking. And some of us think that we can overcome the enemy alone. And it's just dumb to trick us into thinking that we don't need anyone. You do need each other. The gospel's hard. Like, I'm so thankful that I have people that pray for me. Don't you want people in your life that when you're weak and vulnerable and jacked up and yelling at your wife and your kids and your dog and everything's all a mess in your life, like, don't you want someone to say, stop, let's pray, let's get right, let's do this, like, like recalculate. You've got to have people in your life when the enemy's attacking you. Who lifts your arms when it's hard to worship, when it's hard to read scripture? He says, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, come together, and our God will fight for us. I love that, man. And then I love the concept of that. He said he worked. He said that he worked to build the walls around the city, he will, he, to build the kingdom. And he did it day and night, day and night, day and night. The problem is the mindset of an American is that we work to rest, so we, we go to work to earn money to build our kingdom to come home to sit and relax. And I'm telling you, if we're running, there's no champion that likes rest. Because someone that's, that's running to win the race, they're, they're fighting, man. They are after something in their life. And I, I don't be bored. Like, listen, listen, if eternity is real... We have purpose, y'all. If heaven and hell exist, I have a reason to wake up tomorrow and live my life and fight my faith. And these guys that came back to the city that was destroyed, the church didn't look like it used to look. Guys, that was the problem in Nehemiah. That's why these people said, we got to go back and we've got to build this thing day and night. So when you get off work, I want to remind you, you're still working. When you get home and you're at dinner table, you're still building the kingdom. When you turn on Netflix, please understand, you're supposed to still be building. So if you're going to rest, maybe rest for a moment, but be careful because as Americans, we live to rest. We want as much comfort as we can consume. The enemy of progress is always comfort. So if you're trying to grow, be careful that you're not growing and the perfect room temperature, the perfect meal plan, or no meal plan. Uh, you're growing, all right. <laughs> it's just in the wrong direction. Listen, I, I want to make sure that we're building the kingdom. Does this make sense? Enemy of growth. Enemy of progress is, is, is comfort. And I think some of us have been called to run 
And please understand that I believe that we should all have a Sabbath. There is a day of rest. But it's not a life of rest. <laughs> Even going back to Genesis, man, I, all right, that's, I can't go there. Rach, would you come? Um, we're going to do communion. We're going to pass out communion right now. Well, please try to stay with us here for just a few minutes. We'll see what happens here. Lord Jesus, help me, help me, help me, help me. This is the last verse that I wanted to read. It's found in Philippians, and it's really about this, about being a champion, about me learning how to run the race. And I love that our Apostle Paul, who was like the guy who says, imitate me, as I like, follow me as I follow Christ, that guy who's like the great leader, the great champion, the great like prayer warrior, Laying hands on the sick, he goes on in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, to say this. I have to go there. Yeah, here we go. Verse chapter 3. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection that which Christ first possessed me. He's saying, I'm not there yet, but you can guarantee one thing. I'm not. I'm, I am fighting for it. I'm pressing on. And as someone else who, who is, uh, likes to be athletic, I run better when there's other people running with me. When we get together and we all start running, it's easier to run further when you're running in a team. It builds each other up. This is what we're doing. As we walk out these doors, we're all running until we get back here next week. And we decided that we've been doing these things called Deeper. This is a little commercial break here as we're passing out communion. We've been doing these like worship nights and, and, and to enter into deeper in the Holy Spirit here in our church. And we got done. We said we were going to do it for seven weeks. And we finished and we prayed. And uh, I prayed and I was like, man, I don't feel like we're done yet. And Brady prayed. Like, I don't feel like we're done yet. Lacey, like, I don't think we're done yet. And Deb's like, I don't feel like we're done yet. Rachel, I don't feel like we're done yet. We don't know what we're going to do this week. So what we're going to do is uh, we're not going to have a sermon. We're not going to have a service. We're just going to worship. Not a service. We don't know what time we're going to start. We're just going to hang out as friends. We do know what time we're going to start. My wife, thank you. It's my lovely bride. Always keeps me, always tells me when I'm an idiot. It's good. It's good to have these people in your life. Good to have you in my life, most importantly. I love you. 6.30-ish. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> All right. Um, I don't mean that I have already achieved these things but I, uh, or reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I can't help but cry and, and feel guilty when I think about who Jesus is because I'm so not. I don't know how he loved and how he gave everything. I don't know how he had the faith in every situation. I don't know how he always managed to be kind or have the perfect words. Uh, I don't know how he held his tongue and spoke up all at the right times. I don't know how he always... Put the Father first. I don't know how he laid his life down. 
when I think about what he gave me. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. I have told you often before, and I'll say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are, there are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ, and they're headed for destruction. And this is what really terrifies me about the modern church right here. Listen to this, if you can. He says, their God is their appetite, and they brag about shameful things, and they only think about this life here on this earth. Like, I'm guilty of all those things. But we're citizens of heaven where our Lord Jesus Christ lives and we're eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. And as I read these verses, I think it calls us back to what is real. My life is about Jesus' return. My life is about the moment that I meet Christ. My life is not about what I can consume in food or in, in product or in purchases. My life is about reaching people, loving, giving, helping. My life is about praying with others. My life is about moments. And so I'm, I'm praying over our church, and I'm thinking, well, what, is, what does it look like when you run your best? Is it prayer? Is it scripture? Is it fellowship? Is it just eating with other believers like, or unbelievers or people that are, are struggling in their faith, like bringing people into your home and laughing together? Let's get back. Like I, I'm so terrified that as runners, when the COVID hit last year, many of us just slowed down and stopped. But in a race, you've got to know you're holding the baton. I need you to run. My team, you're on my team. Not the way community church team, the kingdom of Jesus team. We've got to run. God is raising up champions and he's calling you right now. And I don't know what it looks like when you run after God. But I believe he's going to put that image in you. Some of you need to be on a team serving in our church. Some of you need to help us build, build this little thing. This, I love this church. I'd love to. I don't know how to help. Great. There's a class next Sunday morning at this time right now. Can I just, um, can we just ask God, maybe all of us, everyone in this room, can we just ask God to forgive us? I, I, I don't know if it's possible for us to always just be running at 100%. It's important that we're steadfast. But it doesn't mean that we should just stop and take time out and be on vacation for seven months. We're builders. We're champions for Christ. We're going to talk about this more next week. I'm so pumped about next week's sermon. It's so, so fun. Let's pray. Sorry. Jesus. I'm sorry. There's no other way I know how to say it. I, I repent. I make life about me, and I forget about the kingdom of heaven. I forget that I'm building your name and building, uh, trying to bring people with me 
the day that I meet you, I forget that life is not about what I can consume, but about what I can give. And I do believe that you have blessed me richly, and I have to find ways again in my life to work, to get good at sharing you with others, with my family, with my neighbors, with my coworkers, with my church. Teach me how to open my life and pour it out like you did. Give me a hunger for your word. Give me a hunger for prayer. Give me a hunger to see people saved. Give me a hunger to see people healed, to see people emotionally restored, to see people uh, reconciled. Lord, would you forgive me? The gravity of this world just pulls me back to boredom sometimes. And I repent. I run for you, God. So forgive me of my sin, my pride, my selfishness, my, my comfort zone, my laziness, my apathy. Lord, I repent, and I ask you for the fire of God. I ask you that you would cleanse me by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. I ask you that you would give me your Holy Spirit, God, that you would rise up inside of us, God, a fervency that you lived for with purpose. Let me see people in my life like you see them, their potential their healing, 